Well, again, welcome, and if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Luke's Gospel. We are looking at both hymns and seasons, uh, pictures in the season of the birth of Christ, and we're looking at Luke chapter 2. This follows from our Advent reading. We're going to be looking at verses 8 through 20. But I keep thinking about how do we preach during this particular Advent season in the season that we are all in. This really is, amen, a strange and new kind of Christmas season, isn't it? Have you ever had a Christmas like this? No. Do you ever want to have one again? No. (laughs) Lord have mercy. Yes, it's a strange and a new kind of Christmas season, but hear me, the Christmas message is not new. And we are, we are rightfully aware and concerned with this COVID-19 pandemic. But I want to say right up front, I want to continue to fight against what I think is an unhealthy preoccupation sometimes with this disease. It sometimes identifies us more than anything. I don't want that to be the consuming identity. And by that, hear me, I'm not making light of the seriousness of what we are facing. We've never faced anything like this. And sadly, there are some among us who take it so seriously that it's almost an obsessive fear that enslaves rather than have any kind of a normal life. But then at the other extreme, there are others among us who, are, who seem to go to the other extreme and function as though I could never have that impact. It's really not that serious until it's too late. New dangers often require new changes to life, don't they? But not for Christmas. We don't need to change because of Christmas. I want us to be more preoccupied with a message that is never affected by disease or sin. I want that message that is changeless and life-changing to be ever-present for us. A message that requires us to always be looking more closely and pondering, what child is this? That's what we should be preoccupied with. Not just the world around us, but the message within us. What child is this? Let's look again at a familiar account from Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. Hear now God's word. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. 
They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Again, many things to consider here, but keep in mind this Christmas message. It's simply this. You know, it's one thing to hear about the good news, but it really is another thing to actually go to the source of the good news and be changed by it. It's one thing to hear about it, and that's good, but it's another thing to actually go to that source and be affected or changed by it. When I read this, whenever I read this, and some of you have told this before, this, this description, it always conjures up in my mind memories of my elementary school play. <laughs> I played a shepherd. I had a bathrobe on and some kind of funny thing on me, and I still remember my line. I played that role of the shepherd and my line, and I finally stood to the front of the stage and I announced, let us go into Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass. I was a kid in elementary school, not really a Christian at the time, but always, I still memorize that. So when I read this, it brings back those memories. Something was being declared that needed to be followed up on quickly. I was struck with how common people like these shepherds heard the uncommon news, and they would be deeply affected by that news. What are the different parts of the Christmas story that connect with you? When when you hear Christmas stories, what brings to mind in your own heart and mind? Perhaps it's a hymn or, or a poem that focuses on an aspect that calls you back to that manger scene, the baby. The animals, the the wise men, the parents, and the list goes on. You keep looking at a very familiar scene and it brings back a lot of memories. So much going on in this unique event that would have eternal effects. You know, there are several bottom lines to the Christian faith. If we want to say, what's it all about? But it really does start here, doesn't it? It starts here when people come to the source and that birthplace to look at a child and declare with that same question that our closing hymn will address, what child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? What child is this? This is a bottom line consideration for all of us. Who is this Jesus And why did he come? What child is this? What man is this? Who is he? And why did he come? So I want to look at this brief passage with uh, two brief observations. Two aspects of this event from the eyes of the shepherds. But I want to see it especially as an example of what I think is the essence of the gospel message and its ultimate effect on anyone who would look. Uh, The first, I think, and clear effect or aspect here, from the shepherd's point of view, 
with this experiences, when they heard about it, they went somewhere, didn't they? The first thing they did was they went somewhere. When they heard the message, they went. They went to Bethlehem. And I would suggest to you that this impact of this initial message had an impact where they went to Bethlehem. They went out of both a personal conviction, but also a personal desire for confirmation. Personal conviction and personal confirmation. In terms of this personal conviction, we see that happening, don't we, while they were just doing their job. This is not just some cute little fantasy story. These common shepherds were doing their common job. And in the first few verses, we see the method and the message that came to them. A single angel came and broke through their night and announced a personal promise. Did you see that in verses 10 and 11, where this angel breaks through and says, Fear not, I bring you good news. A Savior is born this day. Great news. But in addition, the angel connects more exciting dots for these lowly Jews. And it's perhaps that they were Jews serving in this capacity. But he announced to these lowly Jews where the child is to be born. Did you see that? He'll be born in the city of David. King David. A place where most Jews knew because of the prophets That would be the source of the Messiah's entrance into the world, into the city of King David, a descendant of the greatest king of Israel, will come to Bethlehem. So that perked their interest, I'm sure. And as a final clue, even the detail of how they would recognize him and where they would find him, That was not left to chance. The angel gave them clear understanding. Here's not only what I want you to know that don't fear a a Messiah is born, but here's how you're going to find him. And here's what he'll look like. All this, think about it, was sealed with a glorious choral anthem in verse 14. When a host of angels caps the whole night for these shepherds, they were overwhelmed with the message and the understanding of what just happened. And in light of all this news and drama, they clearly had a personal conviction, which was to say to one another, hey, let's go over to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that's happened. You heard what I heard. You saw what I saw. What are we sitting here for? Let's get going. Let's go to where this came from. There was a collective effect on all of them, and they wanted to go personally to the source and to see this child. Their hunger, I think, they had this not only this personal conviction, God, we got to do something, let's go, but they had this hunger for personal confirmation. Did we just hear what we thought we heard? Is this true? Let's get this confirmed. They had this hunger realized, didn't they, when they got to the manger. And you see in verses 16 and 17, it was exactly as it had been described. Not only was it confirmed in their own hearts, 
But think about it. They wanted Mary and Joseph to be confirmed and encouraged as well in terms of the significance of this event. You are, you are his parents. Can we tell you what the angel said to us? That this child is the Messiah. <laughs> and, and they told us that it would be in a manger with a baby wrapped in cloths, just like your baby, Mary and Joseph. This is the Messiah. So it was confirming their own hearts. We heard something that's too good to be true. And it's real, it's true. But Mary and Joseph, we want you to feel the same thing. This really is God among us, Emmanuel. You know, the shepherds did did indeed see it for themselves, but also they saw that it was immediately bigger than they could imagine. They hailed back to that first angelic message. You remember when the angel said truly, this was good news of great joy for all. It's not just for Mary and Joseph and for us shepherds and whoever shows up at the manger. This is for all people. This is the most historic thing that could ever happen. So they saw that that first aspect is when they heard that message, they went to the source. But I would suggest to you the second aspect that we see completed here in terms of the effect of the Christmas message was not only that they went, but they returned. (laughs) They returned. They didn't stay there. They returned. They didn't give up being shepherds. They went back to watching over this flock, which in many cases, that flock, think about it, would be the source for the sacrificial lambs during Passover. What a prophetic symbolism that was occurring and would find its fulfillment when this babe became a sacrificial lamb. Oh, look again at what happens after this personal confirmation of their personal convictions. Look at verse 20. What do they say? And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Think about it. They returned to the same world they came from. Same sheep, same family, same friends, but not the same shepherds. These guys weren't the same. They were different. Can you imagine the conversations they had when they first ventured out to see this Christ child? I'm sure they were confused and even overwhelmed with the implications. Will we really find him? Will people believe us when we tell them? And then can you imagine the conversations they were having when they returned? It says they were glorifying and praising God, I would suggest, by the way they talked about it with each other. They were not the same men anymore. This has changed our lives. You saw what I saw. You heard what I heard. This is God coming to us. They went to the source of the good news and were forever changed by it. Friends, this really is the Christmas message, isn't it? In all its beauty. Jesus, the source of love, life, and change is more than available and more than able 
to change you and me forever. I think the Apostle Paul captures the power and the beauty of the source and the power of the life-changing work of Jesus in 2 Corinthians 5 when he says this, of those who went and then returned. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. So as we conclude and and see another Christmas season upon us, I want to remind us that the beauty and the power of the Christmas message is that it is not and never should be a seasonal message. Let's just really remember Jesus at Christmas. In a real sense, if you understand the Christmas message, it's a daily and a perpetual message, not from the angels but from Jesus himself, from his birth, his life, his ministry, his death and resurrection, his simple call was this, come to me, come to me. The good news at Christmas is that Christ the Savior is born and has come to us, but it's also a plea for you and me personally to say, let us go unto Jesus And see him for ourselves. Christ has not come my friends to be observed. He has come to be received. He has come to give you life where there has been death. To give sight to where there is blindness. To give forgiveness to replace guilt and shame. Oh if Christmas is to mean anything to you and me. It must be a growing preoccupation. That outshadows anything the world could offer. Those of us who have have gone not only to his place of birth, but to Calvary, which is where we'll go in a moment, and have been forever changed. You and I, we can't hear this story enough, can we? Really. It's like the old hymn, I love to tell the story, for those who know it best seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. Friends, let's be people who love to keep coming to Jesus. And who also love to keep telling others about this incredible Savior. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful that you again have come to us. You come to seek and to save. So Lord, let this be not just a regular, normal Christmas. Let this be one where we truly, we go to the source and we return forever changed. And now as we come to your table, we pray that as well, God, that we would come not to a common and ordinary table, but a unique place where you have come to us. Would you bless us with your presence, for we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.